Why do I always feel uncomfortable whenever I'm sitting down for a podcast? I could be like sitting at my desk and I'm perfectly fine. Probably because you lean so far back. Probably. In that chair. Fuck it. You know what? I know what it is. It's this chair. (laughs) This chair is uncomfortable. It's not a great chair. It's also like 20 years old. No. No, this is the one Ethan bought. So it's like five years old. There's no way. It's, it's from Walmart. I could have sworn we were using this chair in that corner playing on the computer a decade See, ago. That chair is upstairs. Are you we do still have it. It's in way worse condition than that, but yeah. What? Just throw it away. I mean, it's a chair. I never use it. I never use it, but uh, Poppy thinks that it's fine. Well, so long as he thinks it's fine, I guess. Yeah. But I think he's like the only gosh. person who uses it. Um, welcome back, guys, to the podcast. Um, it's kind of been a while. I think I think I'm gonna edit this tonight, so there shouldn't be a gap <laughs> oh my gosh. for uh, uh, the viewers. But for us, we haven't recorded in a while because last week I was sick and I've been super busy and just have not gotten a chance to record very much. So you know, but that's just. That's how uh, January tends to go, you know. It's the month of just not going to plan at all. That's why, like, the holiday season is always very stressful for me. Yeah. It's like, all right, cool, Thanksgiving, love Thanksgiving. All right, cool, Christmas, love Christmas. Uh Uh-huh. And then after that, it's like, all right, New Year's, boo. I don't know anyone that actually is excited about New Year's. No, usually it's just I, like a. I'm indifferent to it. I, I don't care. Like I enjoy New Year's parties. Yeah, that's fine. But I just mean like the whole celebration of a new year. It's like I don't care. It's like yeah, it's like okay, well, time to get back on the grind. Yeah, it's always just like all right, get back on that horse. You're gonna go. Yeah. Um, but then it's like you know immediately what's gonna happen after that. You have to get back in the swing of of uh, getting to work. Uh, bad weather is yep. uh. Affecting the roads to where it's like it's not even worth going to work. <laughs> um, combine that with uh, tax season coming up looming over your head. Flu season. Um, you have to re-register your vehicle because for whatever reason the government cares about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I kind of know why. Uh, Property tax. Well, it's not just that. That's part of it for sure. Yeah. But um, I'm sure a lot of it has to do with like the police being like, hey, we need to know who owns what. So then if someone's oh, driving this. It. We're able to be like, hey, this is a stolen vehicle. Yeah. So it's like, okay, that is a practical thing that I understand. Thanks. Mm-hmm. That's something that I, that's like maybe the only government thing that I understand. And yet it's such a flawed system. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I'm having trouble with my vehicle. Thanks, Louisiana. Yeah. yeah. You want to tell that story real quick? Or I could, I could recap because <sighs> you've told it like twice. I've I've told the story twice. I've been very confused and upset because my vehicle was a flood slash junk titled vehicle in the state of Louisiana back in like 2019, 20, something like that. 2019. Yeah. I bought I bought the vehicle. Uh, I think summer of 2020. Mm-hmm. Cool. Actually, I think it's like late spring. Doesn't uh-huh. matter. Bought the vehicle then. I've been driving it for three and a half years. 
Yeah, Only someone, two. someone bought it from a junkyard, I assume, in Louisiana or some yeah. like auction or something, and then fixed it up in Kentucky, rebuilt a title, and then he bought it. Yeah. So I have the vehicle, and Kentucky is like, yeah, this is a rebuilt flood title vehicle. It's there's not a single thing wrong with it, not a thing. Mm-hmm. But because Louisiana says that it's in a junkyard, still. Missouri won't recognize my vehicle as a legitimate operating vehicle, and I can't get it titled in in Missouri. Which is so weird because you can literally go to like most um, auto shops and just be like, "Hey, can you do a safety check?" Which thing? I did right you, before I tried to register like, my vehicle. Yeah, and it's like they have the VIN number on it. Yes. So it's like, okay, here's this document saying this VIN number for this car is in operating. Uh, condition road safe condition here's a title from the state of kentucky that says yes this is a operating vehicle and it's licensed to this person and whatever and insurance like insurance is being paid on there's ample evidence that this vehicle and it's like I'm sure somewhere on the title there's probably like a clause or something that's like yes this is a rebuilt title Blah, 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 blah. So if the like vehicle, like DMV system could just have a single brain cell or the people who work <laughs> it could have literally any kind of say about like, oh, yeah, this logically makes sense. I'll let you proceed with this. Mm. But no, it's like completely like got to go by the book. You cannot stretch for anything. Right, because like what's legal to drive in Kentucky is not the same as what's legal to drive in Missouri or even Louisiana. So the reason why Louisiana junked that vehicle is not because it was flooded necessarily. It's because the electronics in the vehicle could have been damaged by the flood. Yeah, so that's, that's why they junked the vehicle. Uh-huh. Here's the thing. Someone in, in Kentucky buys a vehicle, gets it rebuilt. Cool. It is a operating vehicle. The electronics are working. How do I know? I've been driving it for <laughs> three and a half years. Yeah. And yet, just because Kentucky gave it a title, that doesn't affect what Louisiana said about the vehicle three and a half years ago. Well, actually, at this point, four years ago. Yeah. So I'm being screwed over literally because of legalistic jargon that really has yeah. almost nothing to do with me. When literally any person, any kind of judge or anyone with authority could literally just see the two documents and go, this one's newer and it's issued by the state of Kentucky. So it's like a real document and it's newer. So we'll go with this. That's what they should do. But because of how the laws are written, that's not how it works. Yeah. Which is stupid. I understand it. It doesn't make it right. <laughs> yep. Like, I I understand why people at the DMV in Missouri are not allowed to make... Yeah, they um, can't do anything about it. ...decisions like that. Because, for people who don't know, uh, the DMVs in the state of Missouri are actually, like, licensed third-party, like, contractors. Interesting. So... The state contracts out these, like, hey, we need a DMV in this county. And so it goes to, I I assume, I guess, the lowest bidder, technically, whoever will do it for the lowest amount of pay. Mm. Um, 
and then um they that whoever gets the wins that auction or whatever gets a building gets all the legal stuff sets up the state will come in set up the system and then they have to train all their employees exactly to how the state has it and then like basically everything that the dmv collects and does gets sent to the state the state verifies it and then mails whatever title uh driver's license stuff like that mails it to the actual person from the capital estate the like head dmv office that's actually run by the state and it's just overall really dumb because the county dmv offices don't have access to dmv records without special permission so it just takes longer for things to get everything done. takes longer and in kentucky your driver's license gets printed at the dmv and yes. handed to you Same day of day like literally it takes them like five minutes to print off a, a license li- like okay I've experienced this when I got my military ID because my dad is a veteran and so I have a military ID for insurance. Um, When I get my military ID, they print out the piece of paper, I sign the license or, you know, the ID, and then they just laminate it. Yeah. Super simple, full color, completely legal, done by, you know, some poor poor private that's <laughs> been stuck with that job for probably way too long he's like man um, i'm itching for active duty <laughs> there was there was well yeah especially because it's a navy office oh, so it's like i could be in like Singapore. asia seeing the world yeah but no <laughs> i'm stuck in the middle of missouri <laughs> See, a state with no ocean access <laughs> i guess <laughs> I'm actually kind of upset with myself because it's like, I wish I joined the military, but because of like what was going on in America at that time, it was like, all right, you can join the military as soon as you get out of high school during the 2016 election. Yeah. So it was like either it's Donald Trump or uh, Hillary Clinton. And I was like, the world, the word, the the world was going mad. The word at the time was that Donald Trump was probably going to put us into a war. And that was just the, the general kind of consensus well, on the matter. Even supporters that. were like, yeah, he's probably going to go to war with like Mexico or Russia. There's that. But then there's also the added like thing. It's like, oh, yeah. So like we could get Hillary Clinton in. But the problem with Hillary Clinton is that she has zero respect for any of the service members. And that is only ev- yeah. like there's so much evidence to support that. All you have to do is literally listen to the woman. Yeah, she wants to, like, defund the military and boss at the same time just be like. She looks at them as just meat shields. She does not care whether you live or die. Yeah. You are an asset. You are an asset. You are a tool that is supposed to be used and thrown away. That's how she views the military. Yeah. And if you don't believe me, literally just watch her, like, court case in which, like, she talks about the militaries and. She does not give a crap. I'm surprised that woman is not serving time in prison. But here's the thing. She's also a politician, so that's yeah. that's really what it is. I'm, I'm honestly not surprised that politicians, any politician, would, wouldn't think that way because they're literally in charge of making decisions for the military, basically. Yeah. Not like you know strategic stuff, but they, they give the military their budget. 
Yeah, I mean, like, stuff, she was so, responsible like, for, like, I can't remember exactly the whole story, but, like, a bunch of people died because she refused to, like, take action for something. And, like, I used yeah. to know the story pretty well, but it's been years, and I just am, like, so fed up with that. Anyways, we don't have to talk about that. It's, um, no. anyways. Politics sucks. Yeah, it's just politics. Speaking we were just politics. talking about my car. <laughs> Speaking of politics, Texas... Way to go. Good job. Um, here's, the thing. Here's, what, here's what I'm going to say. Here is, in my opinion, the correct opinion. Okay? A lot of people might get mad at me because they're, they're going to think that I'm going to say, like, yeah, we need to make sure that our, our border is secure and stuff. And that's a touchy subject for a lot of people. Personally, I'm a conservative. So if you want to enter the country, you should probably try your best to do it legally. And the U.S. should probably try harder at speeding up the immigration process because it's just needlessly slow, like the DMV. Like everything that the government touches. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Flashback to, like, 50% of Ronald Reagan speeches. Um, Turns out... uh, Okay, so I've had someone tell me, it's like, oh, yeah, the more you look into, like, Ronald Reagan, the more you realize that he was an absolute trash pan of a person. Like he was not a good president, and I'm like, really? And they're Lies. like, and they're like, yeah, look up all the crap he did. I'm like, okay. They're like, yeah, he's responsible for the crack epidemic. He's responsible for like increased gun control. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have to look into this because I've really? never heard of this. Okay, I know that he was in office during a lot of crap that the CIA did. Yeah, I know that he was in office during like the the. 80s drug epidemic. Mm. I know the government and the CIA have a hand in that. And then I know that um I don't I don't know anything about like gun control, but mm, I'm pretty sure the um like AR ban or whatever. Oh, assault weapons. Assault ban weapons ban. Yeah, that was uh, started in the 80s, I believe. Maybe. And, like, that's the thing. I don't know for sure, but... But also, that's not strictly just because of the president. Yeah, like, presidents (laughs) get blamed for things that they had really no say in all the time. But that doesn't mean he's innocent. But here's the thing. He was pro-small government, and that's based. Yeah, I can go with that because... (laughs) Like, he's the guy who said, like, the worst thing you could ever hear is, we're the government... And we're here to help, which also was it Kamala Harris, who was like, as Ronald Reagan said, we're the government and we're here to help. Like she completely misquoted the guy and it was really funny. Yeah. She was like using it like it was a good thing. Like, yeah, the government's going to help. But the actual quote was like, this is the worst thing that you can ever hear. (laughs) You see, that's just proof that the that those in charge are not very smart. Well, they don't. They okay. this is what the government does. And I'm fully convinced that this is the kind of thing they do. They're like, all right, give me a PowerPoint presentation on like just simple things I should know. And like they don't take notes and they have the like attention span of a gnat. So Uh like they remember like four lines of something or like Joe Biden's like, yeah, I was there when they built the Great Wall of China. I buried children in that in that tunnel and ate crayons with uh, Dr. Phil. Like Uh (laughs) because. I feel like it's like there's shreds of truth in what they say, except uh-huh. for Joe Biden. I think he's completely out of his mind. Um, 
Mm-hmm. But then it's like people like you and me who have like been paying attention just the smallest bit mm-hmm. because we're middle American boys that just, I don't know, like things done efficiently. Yeah. And so when we recognize a discrepancy in what someone is saying, we're like, hold on, where did that original thread come from? Boop, 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 boop. Oh, they're full of crap. Yeah. <laughs> Every but time. Anyway, we started at Texas. Texas, here's the, the true and based um, uh, uh, opinion. Does, I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican. State rights are pretty legit. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Democrats are, are going to go, no, 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 no. You got to listen to the federal government. Hold on. Think about this. Think about this. Think about this. Think about this. State rights is what gave Colorado weed. It's true. State rights is what gave Maryland gay marriage. That's also State true. rights has done so much for the Democrats. Yeah. So as a Democrat, do not come after me saying you don't want state rights because you most definitely do because you've benefited, ben- benefited from state rights probably more than Republicans have. Probably, yeah. It's like... What people don't realize is that the role of the federal government is to basically just de-escalate situations. Yeah. But it's evolved and turned into a monster of control. It's like we need to micromanage every state, which is A, not productive, B, um, a waste of resources, and C, not really fair to to that state because it's like, let's say somebody in Kong, like, okay, I can't. I don't know everything about government. It's been a long time since I've had like a refresher course, but like, let's say somebody that's not even part of your state or someone that doesn't really know how it is in your area. They decide, Oh, we're going to make a law that needs to be observed and respected throughout all the States or even just in this particular state. Hey, you can't blah, blah, blah. And you're like, what? Like, that's my living or like, that's how I'm able to do this. Like, Perfect example, the UN. Oh, gosh, yeah. The UN, here's how it's a collection of countries that honestly at this point have been, their their rights have been reduced to pretty much the same that the U.S. states have. Like, it's ridiculously, I'm going to throw that washing machine <laughs> into a valley and then just n- obliterate it with an A-10. Warthog. It got scared. Um, uh, but anyway, the uh, it's mocking me now. I know Is that it going to even pick up on the microphone? Not anymore. Anyway, so, um, th- okay, what was I saying? Some of the- the, okay, the UN. <laughs> like, let's take, like, Germany and Poland, right? Yeah. The equivalents of Germany and Poland would be like California and Nevada. Okay. Right. So Germany decides, hey, we want to do this new tax. And the German people vote for it and they go, okay, cool. That that particular tax, if it was imposed in uh, Poland, be absolutely terrible 
because of this is a hypothetical right. situation. So like say it's some tax on the uh, export of some certain product or something. But actually that product happens to be like Poland's number one export or something. You've just destroyed Poland's economy. Or at least, yeah, or at least set them back to the point where it's like, all right, all this progress we made means nothing now. Yeah. So the fact that they're separate countries and they can make separate legislation as long as it's in line with the overall UN legislation, which is very broad, um, it's like very, it works. It just works. And the thing is, they know it works. They know they know that they don't want some collection of people from all across this entire continent to make decisions on this one specific area of said continent. And America is no different. Like it literally this is this is the the correlation. Having people in Virginia make choices on some kind of weapons ban or uh, alcohol tax or whatever for like Utah makes no sense. In fact, it makes so much sense, like so little sense. It'd be the equivalent of like France making a decision about like Ukraine's uh, uh, like, military <laughs> Your choices. trenches are three inches too deep. <laughs> the enemy can't shoot you now. Yeah, you need to make it fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but it's like, which I don't even think Ukraine is actually in the UN, so... I have no idea. Or not the UN, I mean the uh, European Union, the EU. Honestly, um, they're... So it's like... <laughs> just people, no. please recognize that the United States is an entire freaking continent of people and it needs at least some level of individual individuality because yeah because we live in such drastic different like even okay, imagine a bunch of people from the east coast go we need a water tax everyone on the west coast who's going hold on we hardly even have water is yeah, especially freaking in Arizona out. yeah Arizona would just cease to exist um well not really but um like here's the thing state though. rights are epic you could even look at like just look at the state of New York alone when people think of New York they think about New York City New York City is a very strict city New York State is a very strict state they have a lot of laws deciding what you can and cannot have, what you can and cannot do. But here's the thing. Although the people in the city see it as a good thing, whatever, don't care. I hate that city. I've been there, and I hate it. There's things I love about it. I'm getting on a, a tangent. doesn't matter. Here's the thing. The people in rural New York, like farmers, because believe it or not, there's a lot of farmland in New York. Mm-hmm. It's just not in the city because... Yeah. Why would you farm in the city? Um, they have to play by the same rules as those who live in the city. Yeah. There are some caveats here and there. But for the most part, yeah, that's how it works. So because people in the city want to live a certain way, people out in the country have to suffer the consequences, even though they're scratching their head being like, 
hey, that doesn't benefit me. Yeah. That actually makes my life harder. Mm-hmm. And so, like, even within a state, there's those drastic differences. So it's like, I think cities need to, I think when it comes to, like, states, if a city wants a law, sure. But restrict it only to that city. I mean, yeah, you can have an ordinance and yeah. specific, like, county laws mm. or stuff like Right, and, like, like those and exist, but... Mayors, especially mayors of big cities, will make weird decisions about things. Yeah. And then the rest of the state is like, we're not following that. And they're like, okay, cool. I don't really have jurisdiction over your city. So you can do, you can not right. do my weird, you know, thing. But anyway. But yeah, it's like, you know, I heard something and it's like, I don't know how true it is. But from the last time I've looked at a map regarding mm-hmm. this. Because he said there's no such thing as um, blue states, only blue cities. Oh, who and said this? I've heard it on oh, yeah, a from, lot of people. A lot of people say it, but I heard it from a, a, a guy who was on Warrior Poet Society, mm. which it, you look into it. Uh, they're pretty cool. Um, good. Uh, I believe I believe the guy is Christian. Yeah, yeah. the the founder's Christian. He's a cool guy. Um, but yeah, he said there's no uh, blue states. Blue states, just, so just blue, blue cities. cities. Yeah. And the last time I looked at a map, you look at a county map of an election. Just true. It's just true. Yeah, it's like I. It's like you have these hot spots of blue. Granted, there's a lot of people there. A lot of stupid people. <laughs> I'm sorry. A lot of people. Who a lot grew of people up that in <laughs> cities and so are detached from the reality of the rest of the nation. Not even just the rest of the nation, the rest of the world. <laughs> the rest yeah. of the world does not operate how their city works. Yeah. Um, and you, you see that even with, like, even people that live out in the country can be very detached from how the rest of the world works. Because mm-hmm. they're like, well, in America, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's great. But here's the thing. That's not reality. Mm-hmm. We live in a very privileged nation. Mm-hmm. Like, the chances of us getting attacked in public by our own government or another government is very low, Mm -hmm. like extremely low. Mm -hmm. The chances of us being attacked by even like wild animals is low. Yeah. Cause like, that's an actual thing people have to worry about throughout Mm -hmm. the rest of the world. Here. It's not so much of a problem. We are very privileged to not worry about things that is a common threat. Mm hmm. And that's a problem because now you have like generations and generations of people that are like, well, I don't see why you need a gun to defend yourself because Jesus will take care of me. It's like you do realize that just saying Jesus does not save you from a physical threat because if you die and you go up to heaven and God's like, yeah, you came here early because uh, you refuse to uh, acknowledge the reality that you live in a fallen world. Or, or even if people don't like that answer, even basically carrying a weapon on yourself for self-defense is really just like insurance against your own ability to not recognize that the Lord is trying to tell you to do something else. Like, so like it's insurance even, against disobedience. If you're, if you're like, some of that. if yeah. you're like, Oh, I'm going to go to this place. And God's like, no, well, don't like, do that. And you just don't listen. 
you could be in danger. There's something even beyond that that a lot of Christians will not talk about, but they need to. It is so important that they talk about this because Western Christianity is so far, so far from um, like the church and acts and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's it's so far away from like what it's supposed to be. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's supposed to be a violent religion. We're not no, religion of peace. Not at all. But to have peace, you need to be able to withhold. You're supposed to to have peace. You're going to have to be willing to do very violent acts to keep the peace. That sounds that doesn't make sense to a lot of people. But for those who have served in even the military or the police, you recognize to keep peace means that you have to have the strength to keep peace. You can't yeah. just like wave a flag and say, "Well, you know, love is love," because that doesn't work. People don't care what you think. No. You don't have the same mindset as somebody else. If they want to hurt you, they're going to hurt you, and it doesn't matter. Jesus said in the Bible, hey, carry a sword. If you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. Does that not apply anymore? I'm and I get it. it up. Yeah, it's like some people, some people have this conviction to not carry a, a weapon. That is fine. If you don't want to carry, don't. Luke uh, 22, 30, verse 36 through 38. But now he said, take your, money in a travel, take your money in a traveler's bag, and if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. And Jesus, like, that's literally, it's quoted from Jesus. Yeah. He said, buy a sword. He doesn't, like, he's not telling you to look for a fight. He's trying yeah. to tell you guys, hey, you need to be prepared to like move around mm -hmm. and defend yourself because this world is nuts. It's, um, but here's the thing. People go with, they hear Christians be like, oh yeah, you should carry a, a gun and stuff or whatever right. your weapon of choice is. Um, cause I guess it does kind of depend on where you live. Uh, right. But, um, they hear Christians say that and they go like, but also, you know, you should love everyone because right. now even, even the, um, oh, what did they call them in, in Jesus's time? Non-Jews, uh, oh. non-Israelis. Uh, 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 mm, Gentiles. Yeah, yeah, the Gentiles. Even now the Gentiles are um, God's people and stuff. Yeah. And so that's why not since Jesus has God said, Israel, go out and fight this nation. Well, it's uh, like, and, and like usually the counter argument I hear from th that passage we just heard is, um, oh, well, we're also told that we do not war against uh, flesh and blood, but uh, what principalities yeah, and principality, yeah, like the powers of powers good, of this world of and, evil. And, yeah. Yeah, whatever. So it's like, that is true. That does not stop the crackhead from eating your baby. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's, it's, yes, carry a sword, but w exactly when are you going to use the sword? Yeah, don't so look for a fight. Yeah, don't look for a fight. But also, there's a point where you are in danger, a great enough threat that you're like, I'm going to use my weapon. And you have to stop and go, hold on, Jesus, is this the move? Is this the move I, I need? To, if I mean, if someone's lunging at you with a knife, you're not going to be able to think about it. But yeah. like, um, I, my, I, when I first um, started carrying 
anything, even like a knife. I was like, exactly when am I going to use this? Like exactly when is too far that it's like, okay, I need to make a, make a step. Right. And so you could sit all day and draw lines of like, okay, this situation I'll use this situation. I won't, I kind of decided that like, I didn't really want to, um, use a weapon. Um, if I wasn't like, if I was by myself getting like robbed, Oh, it'd be better for you to just run away or just like, just run away or just be like, you know what, you know, here's the money out of my wallet. Right. Like, like, Hey, chill out. Here's my money that I have on me. Please be kind enough to not steal my ID like and stuff like I'm going to cooperate because I'm by myself. As soon as there's someone else with me, you better step back because I will defend that other person and their safety Mm. with everything I have. Like, and that, that's another thing to bring up is like, and is if someone is robbing you, it may be more beneficial to be like, Hey, I'm going to help you out. Because, like, recognizing that someone was pushed to a point where, like, the the only option they see is robbing someone, mm-hmm. they're in a bad place. Yeah. And so if you're able to be like, hey, I will just give you what you need. Tell me what you need, and I will provide it. Yeah. If you do that to someone, that can change their entire life. Yeah. They may not, they may never fall back to on crime again. Yeah. And they may, and they may make a mistake, but here's the thing. You gave that somebody an opportunity to change their entire life because you showed not only mercy, but also generosity mm-hmm. in the face of like threat. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just like, yeah. And then also like using your, your wisdom and, and talking to Holy spirit and being like, should I go like if I, so I do DoorDash. Mm. And sometimes I'm door dashing in bad areas of town and right. I don't like it. And I'm very happy that I'm carrying a, a big stick um, as I'm now going to call weapons because that's just freaking metal as heck. <laughs> also, uh, uh, <laughs> also, uh, here's the thing you're not supposed to carry when you work for them. They have like, they have like different rules and whatever. Uh, see, I never read it. But <laughs> I don't even, I don't know if that's a thing or not, but also like, um, they're not going to prosecute me. Yeah. It's like, unless you, and they don't know what I mean by a big stick. It's just a flashlight. I I got a flashlight with one strong heck of a strobe on it. It, It's, it's pretty ridiculous. (laughs) Um, and you know, obviously, cause I think a lot about like self-defense, like I'm never going to like defend myself if I'm on someone else's property. If you can't run away, run away. Until I am off their property, I will not stand and defend myself. You always have to consider, it's like, do you have the time? Yeah. It's like, you may not be given a choice, but at the same time, it's like, I I will always prefer to run away from a situation rather than hold my ground. If I have to hold my ground, it's because, like, I've been given no other option. Yeah. Or there's somebody that needs defending. Yeah. If there's someone that needs to be defended... Or have been given no other choice. That's that's my options. Because there was a time in which, like, it, I was, 
this was like three years ago. Uh-huh. Um, I was like filling up my gas tank at a gas station. It was just done filling up. I put the thing up and this guy full sprint runs out of the gas station charging at me. It's not an employee. It's not anyone I know. And they're just yelling at me. Yeah. And in that moment, I had probably a solid five seconds to react. And my mind went to, okay, either A, I'm going to have to run away, get yeah. in my car and just start and go, or I'm going to have to pull a gun on this guy. Yeah. And I'm like, I'd rather just drive away. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather not shoot a guy. Yeah. Seriously. And so I was, I was fortunate enough that I was quick to get in my car and leave because that was a, that is probably the scariest moment mm-hmm. I've been in. And I want to say my life. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, I have never experienced someone to, somebody running at me full sprint out of a gas station yelling at me. Yeah. That's weird. Um, <laughs> it was horrifying. So yeah. So anyway, as I was saying, there's sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm in bad, areas of town or even sometimes if I'm hanging out with my friends, I'll be in a bad area of town and it's, it's creepy. It's unsettling. It's not very well lit. There's people everywhere. Um, and Missouri's, so, Missouri is known for like petty crimes that are like very dangerous. Yeah. The or Missouri, even like Missouri cities kidnapping. are like notorious. Like St. Louis is the most, one of the most, actually I think it is, considered the most dangerous and dangerous cities in uh the nation yeah i i don't know if it's like it's it's up there but i don't know if it's the top but it's definitely up there it's one or two everyone always says like oh detroit is the number one city for (laughs) for crime but i think what they're going off of is um number of homicides or other like murders and stuff Right. And so um, Detroit has less of that, but I think they have more like property damage and theft than, yeah. than St. Louis. But what I don't that even said, know why anyone lives there anymore. Detroit? Yeah. St. Louis, both, actually. <laughs> There's sure, nothing huh? in St. Louis. Um, but they, uh, so like Missourian cities are just not the safest especially for for petty crimes um or even murder um but it's like there's there have been time there have been times where like i'm freaked out and i'm like oh i need to get gas Mm. jesus should i stop at this gas station or should i go to this gas station and you know i make a you know, I listen to him and stuff and, uh, or sometimes I'm like, should I go down this street? Cause it's like what the map is telling me, I'm, but I'm looking down it and it looks scary. <laughs> and I'm like, so like Jesus, should I go down this street? And he'll be like, no. Or sometimes he'll be like, yes, it's fine. And sometimes mm-hmm. I, you know, what's the scariest thing ever? What? When you hear from Holy spirit, like, make sure you can grab your, your big stick. <laughs> like make sure like, yeah. Move your jacket aside. That kind of thing. And it's like, why? He's like, <laughs> he's like warning you ahead of time. Hey, 
someone may make a bad decision here. So just be yeah. ready to respond to that bad decision. Or sometimes <laughs> there have been other times where I'm like freaked out and I'm like, I don't want to be here at all. And Holy Spirit, it's like, hey, like, don't act suspicious here. Like, don't, don't be ready. Just relax. Yeah. yeah. Relax. Be loose. Which, honestly, when I'm in, like, scarier parts of town, I carry my DoorDash bag. Even if I normally don't carry my DoorDash bag because it's kind of a pain to take the food in and out of there. If I'm in a bad part of town, I always carry it because it's, like... <laughs> That legitimately, like, gangs and, like, organized crime or, like, other, like, thieves and stuff, they respect delivery drivers because they're just doing their job and they're serving, like, they their cousin. They no part in, yeah. Or they, whatever. Like, or, like, yeah, obviously they're not from this part of town. They're a delivery driver. Yeah, and, like, that's something that I try to keep in mind about, like, the people that live there. Because, like, I was fortunate enough to not grow up in, like bad places and towns and yeah. whatnot. Like there, there's like one place and I was like, when I was a little kid living in California, it was a little rough. Like there's a guy that stole the radio out of my mom's car. That was also just kind of a thing in the nineties and early two thousands. Yeah. I not entirely sure why, but it happened. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I've been very blessed to be in very safe places. Um, but I think the majority of those people, they're not looking for a fight. They're just trying to make ends meet. They're just trying to like make it to the next month or yeah, whatever. People who are like stealing from you, they're just trying to get by. People well, who are like um maybe staring at you usually are just scared of you. And it's like I wasn't even mentioning I wasn't even trying to reference like people that steal. I'm just meaning like people in bad areas of town oh, yeah. are usually not up to anything bad. No. But they're usually a victim of something that's going on. Yeah. Usually it's something that they did to themselves and it's hard to move on from that. Perfect, that. perfect example. Um, mobile home parks. Mm. If you get, if, if you DoorDash, you probably know door, uh, delivering to, um, mobile homes is either the best experience you'll have door dashing or the worst experience you'll have door dashing. Okay. Okay. Some of the like cruddy houses with bad lighting are worse. Um, but, and sometimes delivering to really rich neighborhoods is better, but like, um, on average, like your regular order, like I've gotten some of my highest tips from, uh, people who live in mobile homes. I've also mm. gotten some of the worst tips and some of the worst treatment from people in mobile homes. Mm. And I've also had people that were super nice in mobile homes. Like I delivered to, uh, um, I, I don't know if there are a couple or siblings or what, but, um, these two people, uh, that were in a mobile home and they were just like standing out in front of their, their mobile home with a flashlight waiting for me to get there with their food. And they were super nice. And they like took the food and they thanked me and they tipped like pretty good. Um, they're super chill. Other times it's like some, you know, 
mom that's probably drunk or high or both or whatever <laughs> yells at their, you know, 12 year old who's really shaken up to just go pick up the food from from me. And it's just a very uncomfortable and feels slightly dangerous situation. And it's mm. just very annoying and they don't tip me at all. E. So it's, it's hit and miss, but it's a perfect example of how people in, in impoverished areas are. Either they're very kind and generous and understanding. Because they understand nice. what it's like to be a delivery driver. Because they've, yeah. they've done that or they are doing that. Yeah. Or they're very grumpy people who feel stolen from life. Yeah. You have a lot of that victim mentality. And I'm not saying that you're going to, that's all you're going to find. Cause like you find victim mentality even in the rich neighborhoods. Oh, absolutely. But in fact, there's a lot of people who are rich because they feel like they were stolen from. And so they worked their butt off to get stuff. Right. You, you do have that, but it's like, that's something that's like really, it is so messy living with a victim mentality mindset. And you could see it in some people who are like always acting as if they're a victim of yeah. something. And it's like, how long are you going to just act like a victim? Like life just happens. Like, sure. Someone did something wrong to you. You could let that like mess you up for the rest of your life, or you can just get over it. And no. it, it, saying just get over it is not an easy thing. No. Cause that sounds very, um, insensitive yeah but you know what i mean it's like there's a point in which you're just gonna have to bite the bullet and really look at the situation really like look at mm -hmm. yourself and be like hey am is how i'm responding to this thing appropriate am mm -hmm. i building if am i directing myself in a direction in which i'm going to be able to move forward and grow or am i holding myself back to just kind of simmer here forever. Yeah. So here, here's some, some wisdom. Um, and I think, okay, we're on like 47 minutes. Um, here's some wisdom. Every single like problem that someone has, like every single like attri negative attribute you could give someone has, it's a coin with two sides, mm. but it's the same thing. So entitlement and a victim mentality are two sides of the same thing. Right. Either you feel like you're entitled some to something that you don't have, or maybe something that you do have, but if it gets taken away from you, you're very upset because you feel entitled to that thing. Or you feel like something's been stolen from you, or you've been handed a, a bad hand or life's you know done you wrong which is just you feel like you're entitled to something that you do not have or maybe you do have but you'll be upset if it gets taken away mm. it's the same thing just one is very like posh kind of usually is yeah. associated with people who have money or have things and is usually manifest very bratty. And the other side is more usually associated with impoverished people 
and usually manifests itself in some level of depression or um, stress and frustration. And a lot of those things are just ailments of the mind. Yeah. Like you're being tormented. Like there, there's always a... And trying to explain this to somebody that A, either doesn't know God or B, doesn't believe in the power of God is nigh on impossible. Um, but for every physical ailment, there's a spiritual thing behind it. Yeah. So like depression, for example, there's spiritual things going on. Yeah. And it's not always very simple, but it's usually pretty easy to pinpoint. It's not something that can't be uh, revealed or understood, right. you know? So like a, yeah, you could medicate that and it. And some people, they find a lot of success with medicating that. But here's the thing mm -hmm. that spiritual aspect of depression mm -hmm. doesn't just go away. Cause you gave yourself medicine. Yeah. That's going to be a lingering problem. If you do not resolve that problem. Yeah. And if, if you're not, if you don't subscribe to spiritual things, it's like, it's, it's going to be a constant it's, it's, thing that well, you have to fight. Well, here's the thing. There's another term for it that mm. people who aren't Christians use, and it's just like these depressive cycles, they right. call them, where it's every once in a while you're just, you forget that you're not depressed anymore, and you go like, oh, yeah, this stuff sucks, and you just stop being positive. Mm, yeah. Um, and you just start believing that your life sucks and or whatever, and you get right back into the depression. Psychologists and, and people who aren't Christian call those like depressive cycles or whatever. Right. And even Christians fall Almost into like that. it's like an illness, but Christians believe that it's the enemy and, and Satan or whatever. Right. Like um, there's physical things that attribute to why you're feeling that way, but yeah. you're right. It is a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual thing. And the like thing that we're talking about is like documented in real like scientific uh, documents. It's just not explained as a spiritual thing. It's right. the enemy coming in and lying to you about how your how much your life sucks. And you forget that oh, hey, these are not, this isn't truth. Or like this you're is, beating yourself up over something that yeah. you have no control over. Yeah, and it's like, you can just kind of let go of it and go, no. Because like, you know, God has it or that stuff's not even true. I'm just overthinking it or oh, whatever. And like, I've, I've dealt with depression a lot. Uh -huh. And... Like, I could even tell, like, even this past week or two, I could feel, like, myself slipping into, like, bad thought processes. And, like, I'll catch myself mid-thought understanding my thoughts are lying to me. This is not true. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, like, I'm able to express, hey, God, this is how I'm feeling. And mm -hmm. it's it's stuff that, like, <sighs> traditionally speaking, mm -hmm. as, like, someone that grew up in the church, these aren't thoughts that you can pray out loud and like if you prayed your these thoughts to God publicly, people would probably cast you out of the church because you're like, oh, you're a terrible person. You don't love God. It's like, no, God wants you to express your 
mm-hmm. your feelings, even if it's like negative or bad or like dissatisfied yeah. with what's going on. It's not, it's not, compl- it's not necessarily complaining to God. It's more of like, God cares about how you feel yeah. and he wants you to be honest with him. Yeah. Even if it's something that seems taboo. Cause I don't blame God for the things I've been through. It's not God's fault that things have happened the way they happened. Yeah. It, yeah. So that's actually something that I, um, really push very hard in, um, the youth ministry that I'm a leader at. Um, they, uh, I really push the kids to understand that that environment really is a safe environment. Like, yeah, it's a lot of churches say, Oh, we're no judgment. But then someone says that they're suicidal and everyone like treats them differently, covers their kids ears. And it's like, chill. Yeah. Chill. Or like, Oh, I have, you know, I'm, uh, I'm addicted to weed or drinking and all the Baptists go like, Ooh, yeah. You get immediately treated differently, even though they just said not even five minutes ago that they are, that they're not judging you. Like they're entirely judging you. Like one time we had this thing where, um, there was one week where a lot of the, the, we were talking about like humility and, and like sharing our, our sins with like one another and stuff. And we were like, we weren't saying like, Oh, you got to announce this publicly that you struggle with that. We were just like, you know, with people you trust and our leaders and you trust to be wise and stuff, you should share the things that you're going through so that they can help you and they pray for you. And there's, mm-hmm. it's just so evident in the Bible that that's what Christians are supposed to do. And so we were talking about that and there was a whole group of teenagers that really just personally felt convicted that they should share some of their experiences stuff that they struggled with and stuff and just really be honest and real with people and be vulnerable. And that helped them a lot. And no one like judged them because there was so many of them that were, they went like together and it was like people that if you were new, you would have thought, Oh, that's a very healthy Christian. Mm. Like they looked like very healthy spiritual people. Yeah. And, but they're like, oh yeah, I struggle with, you know, whatever basic, <laughs> whatever I call, I call it basic sins because it's like, this is Everyone literally, this is literally like people were like, oh yeah, I struggle with this, blah, blah, blah. I struggle with that. And there was probably like five kids who did that. And then I, I like kind of raised my hand and I was like, Hey, can I speak? And the pastor was like, yeah, go ahead. Josiah. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I don't know if I'm the only one who noticed this, but like we, uh, so like I was like, so I've been like a leader of, of prayer groups and I have a, I've had a lot of people come to me and be like, Hey, I'm struggling with this thing, whatever. Here's something I've noticed in the last like six months that I've been a leader. Everyone has the same problems. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> everyone, everyone has some kind of addiction. Yeah. Everyone has some kind of sexual sin. Everyone has some kind of, um, like spiritual, um, like thing that they struggle to receive from God or they struggle to feel love from God or that, you know, they struggle to, 
um, be close to God or really struggle to like know how real like prayer is or whatever. Absolutely. Everyone struggles with the same stuff. Yes. Like I'm so tired of people being like, Oh, Oh, this, I know this is, this is so terrible, but like, and just like, please like accept me for who I am. Like, but I've not met a, I've not met a single Christian that has not dealt with this. Yeah. It's like at some degree, it's like, I've, I was, I'm a male, so I'm a leader of boys and I've had some of them be like, Hey, like, you know, I'm really struggling with like pornography and stuff. And I'm like, welcome to the club. Everyone, <laughs> every male, because like men will... I've met one guy who hasn't, and I'm like, dude, you are so blessed. <laughs> like one person, stay in this. <laughs> like I know so many men who have come and talked to me about struggling with pornography. Everyone does, at yeah. least males. Every it's less common in females. Not but true, still, actually. It's marginally less. It is. It's, it's, it's one like, if it's 90% of men struggle with uh, pornography yeah. at some point in their life, it's like 75% of women. <laughs> that's a funny thing growing up. Cause like, that's been a problem for me for over yeah. a decade. And it's this constant struggle of like understanding like why this is a repeating problem. Yeah. What's going on here. Because, like, there'll be times in which, like, all right, this is not really a problem for me right now. And then mm-hmm. I slip right back into it. And it's it's, it's something that it's hard to break, mm-hmm. but it's worth the fight. Yeah. And you have to recognize that it's not just you fighting it. It's you relying on God to provide yeah. that thing. Because, like, when you re- understand that that addiction is rooted in a lie mm-hmm. about what you believe about yourself or even what you believe about God, usually, mm-hmm. it, usually it's a combination of both. Yep. One of them is usually God is not going to provide this for you. Mm-hmm. The other one is you're not good enough. Yeah. And the, and it's, it's always a combination of those two or like some variation of those two. Yeah. Some variation of God's not perfect and he didn't make me perfect, perfect, which yeah. also is just God's not perfect. Right. Um, and it's, it's always something like that. And it's, it's really sad, but understanding that, <sighs> Because growing yeah. up, the church always like was like, you cannot talk about this at all. We're not even going to look at this, the book Song of Solomon's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's such a taboo topic. And then like you have so many like people that end up leaving the church because they're like, well, the church is not going to let me have any fun. It's like, it's not that. It's like they are screwing you over because they're refusing to talk about the hard things yeah. that need to be talked about. And then basically demonizing the people that struggle. Yeah. And it's, it's like I I know a person who's like, um, they struggle with stuff and they they struggle with a lot of like self worth stuff, mm. and it's like, what's also funny is that I'm saying like it's one person. There's probably a <laughs> half a dozen people um, that are like that that I know of, um, but they uh, it's they've been so hurt by the church because they go like, Oh yeah, I struggle with this. I'm a monster. Yeah. I'm a terrible demonic child. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> first of all, stop going to a Baptist church. <laughs> okay. Don't call I'm yourself sorry. a child anymore. Cause that's weird. Uh, but, um, but it's like, no, like everyone's going through that. 
like everyone's everyone's a sinner and it's we all got our problems and we all got our our vices and whatever and our addictions and it's just like hey uh if we actually talked about this people wouldn't be scared that they're you know they're gonna be shunned or that their pride's gonna be hurt or like whatever or feel like they're not adequate enough to even go to church yeah the amount of people that i know granted it's not many but they're like i will not go to church because god hates me i know at least two yeah and i i know a few others that are like there's just no point anymore like just everything is meaningless which it's just like yeah i'm 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 hopeless and made incorrectly or you know something like that like i'm i'm broken and i cannot be fixed and it's just like oh yeah you're broken you and you, you're broken because you go th- you struggle with these like five things okay well um here's an example nameless person that i personally know they struggle with everything you have Plus five more things that honestly are way bigger problems in God's eyes. And I don't tell him that part, but <laughs> but it's like and five more things that are also bad. And guess what? When you see him at church, you probably think they're perfect. Yeah. And like there's so many they just yeah. they, they know that church is going to help them. And so they go to church and they try their they try their best to worship they try their best to pray they try their best to um get prayer and it's like it yeah like the people who are really good at church the good christians either are faking it completely utterly faking that they're perfect or something because they still believe that they need to be perfect to be able to be accepted in church or they recognize how messed up they they are and how many problems they have that they recognize that they need to be in church to get better and it's but there's so many people that just believe like oh i'm i'm too far gone i can't go to church because it's some elite club of good people yeah, like, and I have coworkers that are like, they don't believe in God, but they also say that they won't go to church because they'll just combust. Granted, I'm sure that's just a joke, but yeah. that whole like idea of like they don't feel accepted because of who they are, yeah. like, because they smoke weed or because they do this or that, and it's like I don't think that society has such a bad perception of who God is. Yeah, to the point to where it's like who they think God is, is the enemy. Like yeah. their perception of what God is, is actually Satan. Yeah. So I, if that, if that makes sense, if I worded that correctly, cause yeah. this no. sounded weird. So in here's my, in my mind for everyone who doesn't recognize, doesn't see what he's saying. What he's saying is that, um, people are taught that God is the judge of right and wrong. And they hear that. And they think that means that God is accusing them of their sins, but God's not the accuser. He's right. the judge. He, he weighs the, right. the, the and good and evil. Satan is the accuser. Satan's the one that's like, you've done this. You've done that. You've done this. Blah, 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 blah. You're a bad person. This is why you should, um, be, you know, right. judged as, uh, you know, a, a rebel and should be, you know, 
sent to hell or whatever. Mm. And it's like, God hears that. Here's the, the devil's case against you and goes, okay, so here's all these bad things you did. Cool. Oh, it looks like you signed up for the extra, um, insurance, AKA, um, having all of your sins bought by Jesus. So we'll just, Oh, look at that. You told someone about Jesus one time. And that's the only thing left on this page. I guess you're in. Good job, boy. <laughs> it's it's this weird thing that people have this mess of perception of God where he's this angry person that's going to like, that hates you for having problems instead of like recognizing that he's the one that yeah. like, despite all your problems, despite all these things and issues you have, he still desperately wants to have a personal relationship with you. Not yeah. that you know him, but that you know each other. Because mm-hmm. like, he already knows you, but he wants like that back and forth conversation. He doesn't want it to just be like a one direction mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. He's, he's not Santa Claus, nor does he want to be treated as Santa Claus. No. Um, and it's like, people hear like, oh yeah, God's a, a just judge. Like he, he is perfect judgment. And people think that in their Western brain or uh, pro- honestly, probably everyone in the world hears that and goes, oh, so that means that I will pay for every bad thing I've done. Mm. Which, to, yeah, to technically, yeah, you will technically. But turns out someone already paid your bail and that's Jesus. Yeah. You already paid your bail, already paid. Like if your sins are debts, which the Bible calls them debts. Yeah, and like Jesus already paid for your debts. It's and not so really it's an literally to keep a, doing erased. It. And it's not an excuse to yeah. keep doing it, but it's erased. And so it's God is a just God. He he follows his rules completely and he does not bend his rules ever. What people don't recognize is that the legal system of God has a buyout system where it's like, hey, these things that I've done, these sins against you, I can make it up to you. You know, like if your car gets impounded, you can pay to get it back. Like that kind of thing. Or you can pay to your bail. Or in the olden days, or at least the olden days in video games like Red Dead Redemption, you can pay your, uh, your wanted, your, uh, your uh, what is that called? Your um, bounty, you can yeah, pay, you can your, pay bounty your bounty and it will clear um, any, like, so police won't arrest you because you I'm paid not you. sure if that's how it worked back then, but maybe uh, <laughs> that's how it does in Red Dead Redemption. Um, so it's like that's how it works in like the heavenly legal system, is but then it also says, like, nothing can there only something that is perfect can pay for your sins. But Jesus paid for, was perfect and paid for all your sins as long as you accept it. It's kind of like one of those like weird legal things where it's like You ever you ever have someone like write up a bill of sale? Yeah. Where it's like they take a piece of paper, scrap paper and they just go like, "I this person sold this thing 
for this amount of money signature and they're like here you go write your signature on it and it's just mm. a scrap piece of paper but it's a legal document technically speaking yes yes it is it's kind of the same way with like with jesus it's like he's like just say i accept the terms and conditions of <laughs> of uh um you buying my sins terms being you know you uh, actually, I'm not going to get into that because I'm I'm not entirely sure I know it exactly. Be but my like, best friend. We will have soft tacos. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like basically just like shake my hand and I'll I'll pay for your 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 debts. And it's like being a Christian is a lot easier than people being it to saved be. is a lot easier than people yeah. think. The problem is that humanity has this tendency. And you can see it clearly everywhere you look. Mankind overcomplicates everything. Every single thing that could be simple is overcomplicated by us. For really no good reason. Now that we've talked about politics and Jesus and stuff for an hour, 